When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the Cowboys Pro Bowlers list is out, and tonight we will react to it, but also we'll dive into what Micah Parsons had to say about Week 18 versus the Washington Commanders. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network. With a lot more content coming your way, make sure that you check out adzsports.com slash Dallas. And as always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me if you enjoy the show. Uh, welcome, everybody, on a Wednesday night. It is a great night to talk some Cowboys football. And we are as close as ever to the regular season finale for Dallas. And it is one that has caused some slight controversy among Cowboys fans. Not even controversy, but just curiosity, I should say. Not a controversy. And I mean as in people asking and wondering, how should Dallas approach this game? If you look at the betting markets, there is no question as to who will win it. The Cowboys are favored by 13 and a half. Now, that gives you a solid idea as to where each of these teams is headed. The Washington Commanders are looking at a potentially picking second overall in the 2024 NFL Draft, while the Cowboys are one of the biggest contenders for the Super Bowl in the NFC. But don't let the spread fool you because I'm going to give you two numbers very quickly right now. The Cowboys were 13 and a half favorites versus the Arizona Cardinals back in week three. And the Philadelphia Eagles were favored by 13 and a half two against the Cardinals just last weekend. The betting spread just tells you what the betting markets are expecting and what the public might feel like about a particular game. This is all to say the Cowboys have a strong and easy decision to make here, which is you should treat this as a serious ball game. You cannot go into Washington and play with your food. You cannot go out there with a vanilla offense. You cannot go out there with a vanilla defense. And it is also not exactly the game where you just want to hold some of your injured starters or rotational players back just to have him heal. If they can go, they should likely go against a commander's team that, hey, it's a team with nothing to lose. Those are always dangerous. People say they're better off losing, not the players. The players want to put up a strong, solid game on tape because they might be looking for a job next year. Ron Rivera does not care about the second overall pick because he's not going to be there to make the pick in the first place. Sam Howell... He's likely going to be as motivated as ever as long as he can push the commanders out of a position to draft Caleb Williams or Drake May in April. 
So don't mistake this game as an easy one, right? It should be. On paper, it should be an easy game. Cowboys blew the Commanders out when they played at AT&T Stadium back in Thanksgiving. But this is not a game where the Cowboys should take their rival lightly. And I thought there was a strong Micah Parsons quote speaking on that. But before we get to that, let me say hi in the chat and let me hit you with some news. Sam Howell is going to be the starter. I know I already mentioned him, but we had some curiosity as to what was going to go on there because here's a timeline in case you missed it. Sam Howell goes down, not injured actually. He's benched outright in week 16 and Jacoby Brissett takes over. Has a solid ending to the game and then Ron Rivera announces to the world, Jacoby Brissett moving forward is going to be our starter. But he suffers a hamstring injury before he can even start a game. So in week 17, it is back to Sam Howell. Puts together, you know, as solid as a ball game as you can put up against San Francisco 49ers if you are Sam Howell. But then Ron Rivera has since confirmed, he did it today, that it's going to be Howell on the controls for Washington when they host the Cowboys for this, in Mike McCarthy's word, where it's a playoff game, right? Because Dallas is going to treat it uh, like a playoff game. So anyways, if you were wondering who's going to be the enemy for Dallas, it's going to be Howell. And the thing about Howell is that he's a gunslinger. It's not exactly a good, solid, consistent gunslinger, but he's going to take some shots and he's got a good arm, obviously, can make very high difficult throws, um, high difficulty throws. However, he also is very turnover-worthy prone. And I think he's one of the leaders still in interceptions in the NFL, but I'm not exactly sure if he is the exact, like, leader. I don't think he is, at least. But let's see what the actual number is. He's actually not that close. Uh, I know he he is leading the NFL. Sorry, that's why I didn't find him. Uh, 19 picks so far this season. And then if you look at the turnover-worthy play rate, uh, it's also pretty high at 11th, but here's the key, and I'm just going to get to this very quickly before moving on to the chat. When you look at plays under pressure, that is where Sam Howell just crumbles because he jumps from 11th to 7th. And if you look at just without you know including the rates, just going by number of plays, he leads the NFL when he's under pressure because it's a very pass-happy offense, by the way. Uh, they are the second pass happiest offense in the NFL this year in terms of how often they throw the ball on early downs. I think that favors Dallas because even though they've got Brian Robinson and, you know, Antonio Gibson at running back and all that, even though they have that situation on the backfield, there's still a team that wants to throw the football and that benefits Dallas with the strong pass rush that they have. And without the, Commanders wanting to live in this world where they just want to run the football and exploit what seems to be the weakness of the Cowboys defense, right? With all that being said, let me say hi, and then we'll move on to the Micah Parsons quote. Hope that you guys are having a fantastic Wednesday night. Saw some of you discuss the future at head coach for Dallas. Uh, I'm going to intervene there very quickly, and I'm going to say, because I saw some conversations about, oh, it's going to be Dan Quinn or it's going to be somebody else. I'm going to burst your bubble right now. And I'm going to hold this statement that I've made before on the show. I'm going to double down on it. Cowboys can go to the wildcard round and they can lose in the wildcard round. 
And your coach next year is going to be Mike McCarthy. And in my opinion, it should be that way. I'm not saying Mike McCarthy is perfect. Yeah, it was his fault. The, you know, the whole time management thing, that the Lions game was close in the first place. It was also a little bit of Dak Prescott's fault. You know, once you hear their explanation of the second and 14 bomb to Brandon Cooks. But it's definitely, uh, you know, the best option for Dallas right now. So I just wanted to intervene very quickly there since I am addressing the chat right now. Uh, shout out to all of you, by the way. Eddie Logan says, Bland will be ready to pick six. And, you know, that's when history was made, right? In that Cowboys-Commanders game. That was when history was made. 63-yard uh, pick six, if I remember correctly. Epic moment. I remember talking about it here on the show and pointing out just how much of a challenge it was for Bland to finally get into the end zone. And that's what made it so much more satisfying, right? It wasn't just that De'Ron Bland had made history. It was that it was such a long developing play that we got to realize what we were watching as we watched it. And I'm trying to remember who it was. It was Jim Nance on the call, was it not? And he nailed it. He nailed it. It was Jim Nance. He nailed the call because he also made it seem like so important in the moment. And then you saw De'Ron Bland fighting through Commander's offensive linemen and all that as, as he got to the end zone. I, I remember there was a huge block. I cannot remember whose block it was, though, right now at the top of my head. But amazing play. Amazing play. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have? We have uh, Bruce saying, if Dallas punches them in the mouth early, they will start mentally clearing their lockers and planning vacations as Bruce. Let's see here. We've got Travis and we've got Gregory. He says, got to get some road confidence before the playoffs. And Travis might have inadvertently given me the perfect segue to move into the Micah Parsons quote because Micah was asked about this very thing, Travis. He was asked about road confidence, right? And, you know, this game potentially being a confidence booster for Dallas ahead of the postseason. And I absolutely loved Micah's answer. And I'm going to spoil you a little bit here, but he basically shot that whole idea down. And you know how Micah's mindset works. He's not exactly your regular player, even when he's talking to the media. He will talk very sincerely, very openly about what he thinks and, and what he believes. And this is what Micah Parsons had to say when he was asked about potentially boosting the team's confidence with a win on the road in Washington. He said, and I quote, I feel like confidence at this point, it shouldn't be about confidence. To be like everyone should just know, go out there and do their job. This is your job. We are a team. We need to go out there and play together and be as one and go out there and get a win that we should win. I think that's what it's about. I don't even think it's about confidence or should be about confidence. We are a week away from the playoffs. I think I'm tired. I'm tired of learning and growing. It should just be about dominating and playing great football. I like this quote in several levels. Number one level is Micah being pretty honest and pretty open about the fact that they should win it. There's no ands, ifs, or buts about it, right? This is not the Lions game. This is not the Bills game. This is not the Dolphins game. 
This is one where you just have no excuse. There is no excuse if Dallas goes to Washington and loses it. And I'll go a step further. It's one where, you know, it's NFL football, so there is some room for error there. But it shouldn't really be close either. This is one of the worst teams in football with a quarterback situation that was so bad that the guy that you're going to be playing against was recently benched in this very month. Well, not really, December. But this is a game where if we're talking about confidence, we got to ask why would you draw playoff-type confidence from beating the team that is currently slated to pick second overall in the NFL draft? And I also like it because the conversation has shifted a little bit And we're not even talking about winning a road game because Dallas might not even need to win a road game until the NFC Championship game if they get there, right? Because Dallas wins this one and they have secured themselves a home game in the wildcard round. And if they win that, then they've got a secured divisional round game at home too. And then maybe if you go to the NFC Championship game, of course, uh, chances are it's going to be in San Francisco If a crazy upset happens before that, you even have a chance at hosting the NFC Championship game, which I know sounds pretty crazy. Obviously, that is not the expectation, uh, but it's still something worthy of being pointed out. Uh, But I also wanted to bring up the Micah quote because tomorrow night, we might start diving a little bit more into the X's and O's of the game. Not X's and O's, it's like in a deep, deep way, but... You know, the matchups, we're going to be talking about the keys to beating the Washington Commanders. But when it comes down to it, there's only so much you can evaluate about the game, right? Sure, we can talk about watching out for Terry McLaurin. We can talk about watching out for the screen game in Washington, which is is still pretty efficient, or at least it was the last time we talked about them. Uh, We could talk about Eric Vienemann. We could talk about... Who's left on that defense right after they traded away their two top pass rushers? We can talk about uh, De'Ron Payne and Jonathan Allen. How that's going to be a matchup to watch even if Tyler Smith plays or if he doesn't play even more so. That's where the game could be broken, right? We're going to talk about all that. But it also, you know, it comes to a point where it's like, yeah, Dallas is the better team. Dallas is better in the trenches. Dallas should be better... On the boundary, I think on both sides of the ball, right? I think Dallas cornerbacks should be able to handle McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and whatever they throw your way. And they should be able to capitalize on Sam Howell's mistakes too. Now we're going to talk a little bit about, and, and we'll do that tomorrow night, you know, what went wrong early in the game versus the commanders back in Thanksgiving before Dallas pulled away. We could even talk about Darren Blant being picked on a little bit in Thanksgiving. But it ultimately comes down to the fact that, hey, Cowboys are the better team. Opportunities are coming are going to come their way. they are just got to capitalize on it. And as Micah Parsons said, you know, it's one of those where you cannot talk about boosting your confidence when it, you know, it would maybe demolish your confidence if you lose to the commanders unexpectedly. Should be a fun game in that sense, and it's stressful lead up to the game for Cowboys fans, but ultimately they should win it, and I like Micah's mentality in that sense. I remember when we talked about the Dolphins game and the Bills game, kind of being excited about potentially seeing a close win, 
right? And we even discussed like, sure, you've blown out all of these opponents. And you know, I am a big, big fan of point differential. I think that point differential and blowouts are really a super important characteristic of Super Bowl champions, even more so than close wins because close wins are actually way more unpredictable. And if you're blowing teams out, it really speaks of you as the superior team. So I love those. But I remember talking about the Bills and the Dolphins game, and we were kind of excited about, okay, can Dallas win this sort of duel? This is not that. This is one where you absolutely want them to blow them out, and we want to see some Cooper Rush time in the fourth quarter, and we want to see Cooper Rush perform the Landry shift. That's the kind of game you want on Sunday. Let's see what you guys have to say, though. Uh, shout out to Mr. Rue Glock, who says, y'all make sure you tap the like button. Appreciate you, Rue, as always. Anthony says, NFC Championship game, I got to be there no matter what the cost is. Oh, it's going to be high. Anthony, I don't know if you're talking about a potential NFC Championship game in San Francisco or if you are visualizing, a, let's face it, best case scenario and you're visualizing it on AT&T Stadium. Uh, both are going to be crazy costly. So if you're going to go with the no matter what the cost mentality, uh, that's the right mentality to go into it for sure. Uh, hope you make it though if you want to go. Let's see here. Lunar says, wishing for a crazy upset, but the Rams resting their starters so they will fall to Dallas. Man, Lunar Love, thank you for bringing this up because I was a little bit bummed out when I heard the news. Turns out the Rams are not playing Matthew Stafford. Turns out they're not playing Cooper Cup. I don't think they're playing Puka either. So it does sound like it's going to be a backup versus backups matchup in San Francisco. And it's going to be Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz leading the LA Rams on Sunday. Not that yet. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like the 49ers could win that. We win that after all when we were putting our hopes on LA winning. If San Francisco wins, and let's say Seattle wins, let's let's put it that way. And then let's say, you know, I'm I, I could actually share my screen, right, for you to see this. Uh, let me try to solve this because uh, sometimes I can get in my boomer moment here and there uh, when I'm trying to share my screen. So let me share to you the playoff picture right now the, through the playoff machine from ESPN. This is my favorite video game in January, always, always is gonna be my. Uh, Favorite video game. I hope I hope that's uh visible for y'all. So I'm gonna clear I'm gonna clear my projections here, and I'm just gonna do NFC champions NFC games, right? So Seattle Cardinals. Let's go with Seattle for now. I think they're favored. Let's go with the Niners, of course, winning this one. Let's go with I don't know Lions beating the Vikings just for fun. Cowboys beating the Commanders. The uh, we're going to do the Saints winning for now or the Falcons winning. Let's do the Falcons. And then let's do Tampa Bay beating the Carolina Panthers. And then there's the Green Bay Bears game, right? There's the, the Green Bay-Chicago game. It seems to me like this is going to be the key. Because if Green Bay wins and the LA Rams lose, then it sounds like Green Bay is going to be the sixth seed and then the LA Rams are going to visit the Cowboys' 
And that's important because, as you guys might imagine, the Rams are one of the scarier wildcard teams that you could face, right? And people like to say, I've had countless people go up to my Twitter and be like, oh, man, you cannot be scared about the seventh seed. Uh, if we want to go to the Super Bowl, then we can be afraid of anybody. Listen, that's all fine and well, and I respect it. I, I understand why a fan would feel that way. But also, I'm going to tell you a secret. There's nothing wrong with understanding that some matchups are less favorable than others and more favorable than others, and that there are certain paths to the Super Bowl that are easier than others. And that if you can delay facing one of the good teams as much as you can, you should be rooting for that. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not the players. We're not being scared uh, about to go on the football field or anything like that. But, hey, just wanted to say that. And then I'm going to go back to the playoff picture now. Uh, that That is a problem, right? If L.A. wins, they stay at number six. But let's say that the Niners bid them in the backups bowl. The Bears could beat the Packers. I'm going to keep it real with you guys. I kind of think, I kind of think the Bears upset the Packers. And let me tell you why. That Joe Barry defense is so bad. Like, legitimately bad. Undisciplined versus a run because they don't have gap discipline. I don't think they got anybody in the secondary that can hold on. DJ Moore, not even Jair Alexander. And I'm not even sure how happy Jair Alexander is in Green Bay right now because they had the whole one-game suspension thing with the coin toss drama, which was absolutely funny as heck. And then there's this thing. You guys know how, how much I like the whole betting market conversation that we have So uh, a lot of times. Usually in week 18 or the final week of the season, there are some betting spreads that are inflated. And those betting spreads are the teams that are motivated versus the ones that are not playoff motivated. So, for example, in this case, Bears versus Packers. Usually, you would see a very inflated line for the Packers because they're fighting for a playoff spot. The Bears are done. The Bears are just deciding if they're going to pick Justin Fields or Caleb Williams or Drake May, right? And, and then, naturally, the public goes, oh, man. The Packers are going to roll over the Bears. They don't have anything to win. But usually those are inflated betting spreads. And I say all of this to get to this point, which is the Packers are just a three-point favorite. That's a red sign to me. That's a red flag. Like, I would be worried for the Packers if I was a, a Packers fan. I, I think Chicago can, can end up winning that one. Uh, but basically, I think that's the, the combination. Like, if the Cardinals beat the... Seahawks, it might matter too, but it ultimately comes down to does Green Bay lose to the Bears? And I think they might. And then obviously, you know, it's a backup bowl. The Rams could still win, even with Carson Wentz. They could win, but overall, we know that the Niners have the better roster, even if we go into the depth of it. So difficult to predict how that one will play out. But if you are a Cowboys fan, you are rooting for the Bears and you are rooting for the Rams in order to avoid them. If you want to avoid them, and I definitely do. I think out of the potential foes that the Cowboys have, if they stay at number two, 
uh, the Rams are the scariest ones because otherwise you could have Green Bay, which is was statistically the likeliest one before the Matthew Stafford news. Then the Seahawks are also a likely opponent. You could have the Rams. You could have uh, the Saints. Mathematically, there's some room for that to happen. And then you could also have the uh, the who was it? The Minnesota Vikings. But that's like a three percent chance, something like that. I'm not even sure uh, what the combination is for that to take place. But the Rams are looking likelier now with that bit of news. So shout out to Lunar Love for bringing it up because I would have forgotten to bring it up. Uh, even though it's been on my mind all day long. Dak put up 300-plus yards and four touchdowns versus the Rams right before Halloween. That is true. Like, I'm just going to make it clear. I would pick the Cowboys versus the Rams. I would pick the Cowboys versus the Rams. He's 33 years old. <laughs> Steven, have an Asian ask my age. Javi, take a guess. We're going to change it up. I always answer this question. Javi, now you, now you go take a guess. I'm going to give you a hint. It is not 32 years old, as uh, Stephen White is suggesting here in the chat. We'll let you take a guess, Javi. I'll wait for the comment. All right. Mo is 19. <laughs> this is a J recruiter. All right. There you go. Leave no doubts, says Stein. Bit who's in front of you. 28, says Javi. Oh, Javi actually went much higher than I thought he was going to go. Good luck on your driver test. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> you guys like to have your fun in the chat. I'm 24 years old. All kidding aside, 24 years old. I know I don't look, but I, I, I don't look 28. Come on, Javi. Do I look 28? Damn. Anyways, let's move on here in the chat. Uh, let, let's move on here on the show. Excuse me. And let's get to the Pro Bowl combo. Let's get to the Pro Bowl combo because the Cowboys had seven players make the original ballot ahead of the Pro Bowl games. It's not even called the Pro Bowl anymore. It's the Pro Bowl games. And these are the characters for you. Dak Prescott, who is not voted in as a starter. It was, unsurprisingly, Brock Purdy with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, then you get CeeDee Lamb. He's going to be a starter. I mean, hypothetically, right? Obviously, the goal is for the Cowboys to not even play the game, but... I mean, basically, boat leaders. Uh, C.D. Lamb, Micah Parsons, Brandon Aubrey, which is awesome to see, especially considering that Jake Elliott is in the NFC for the Philly Eagles, and he's had a tremendous year, but not really a perfect year. Brandon Aubrey has had a perfect year. It's also been amazing in kickoff duty, so Brandon Aubrey was an absolute luck to make it. Then you had Brian Anger, the punter, obviously making it. There's uh, Zach Martin making it at right guard. And De'Ron Blant, the cornerback, making it. Which, a little bit of a fun fact to you. And actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you a question. And then I'm going to get to the fun fact. Who was the biggest snub for the Cowboys on this Pro Bowl election? Who did they leave out? Let me know in the chat. While you do that... While you do that, let me tell you something about Dayron Bland. Because I wrote about it today. Dayron Bland not only gets the honor of making it into the Pro Bowl for the first time in his career, but he makes a whole lot of money 
off of it. Millions of dollars into Darren Bland's pockets after the NFL news. Here's why. All kidding aside, and man, and, and that makes him eligible for this thing called uh, the Proven Performance Escalator. Proven Performance Escalator is basically a salary raise, right? And the way that it works is... Um, man, did my internet go go out? I don't, if you can hear me, let me know in the chat. Oh, man, there goes the overlay now. All right, I think we're, we're a little bit ba back. I'm going to keep going with the show. We're going to power through it. Uh, there's a proven performance escalator, and those work in in several ways. Like There are different levels of, of proven performance escalators, but here's how it works. If you were drafted between round two and round seven of the NFL draft, so no first-rounders, but also no UDFAs, and you make it to the Pro Bowl in one of your first three seasons, then you get a salary raise, which is equivalent to a second-round restricted free agent tender, uh, which is kind of like a tag, but not really a tag, but I'm just using it as an example, right? Like a one-year deal, which is automatic, and the league sets the value of it, and if you're a restricted free agent, they can tag you with it. But anyways, they just use that as a benchmark. And here are more or less the estimations for one in 2024, because that would be when Dayron Blant receives it. Uh, right now, they're projected at $4.6 million in 2024. Now, Blant's base salary is $1.1 million in 2024. That means that if it comes to that value, the tender does, he could be looking at a $3.5 million raise. Gotta be happy for Darren Bland. Gotta be happy for Darren Bland. Uh, <laughs> Anthony says that I'm not real, that I'm an AI. Turn off the video. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I think we're back, though, based on my, on my uh, software here. I don't know what that was all about. But we seem to be back in terms of the Wi-Fi. So anyways, who's the snub? Let's see what you guys have to say in the chat. Uh, who was left out? Toxic, of course, says Chumadaga. <laughs> Damn, man. Uh, Tank, says Clayton. Tank not being named to the Pro Bowl is criminal. Tank could be criminal. I agree. I'm going with Roost, too. Tyler Smith should have gotten in before Zach Martin did, whether we like it or not. Tyler has been the best guard on the team this season. Tyler Smith says Jay Recruiter, uh, who also says Tyron too. Mark Aaron says Tyler. Jay Recruiter says D-Law. Peter also goes with D-Law. Sonny goes with Tyler and Tank. I think those are the players that were left out. I agree. Uh, there are others that could have gotten in the conversation, but, but I'm just pissed about Tyler Smith and Lawrence. And even Lawrence was pretty much to be expected with the way that it is a very popularity-based voting process, right? Because one-third of the vote is the fans chiming in. And that makes it too similar to what we talked about last night. P 
People care about sacks, and maybe that's not D-Law's game, even though he's one of the most complete defensive ends, and he's a fantastic, elite, superlative run defender. But still, uh, he doesn't have the sacks, so people maybe don't vote, vote a whole lot for him. Uh, Gregory Aubrey is in the in the NFC team. He's actually the starter. He he got uh, named to the to the Pro Bowl as a starter. I mean, I think that should have been automatic. Somebody tweeted today, I think it was Brandon Laurie uh, from Blogging the Voice, tweeted, who would you pick right now for a playoff game between Justin Tucker, NFL legend, still going, or Aubrey? And you might think that's a close conversation, but if you ignore the name, it's really not. Justin Tucker is declining a little bit, uh, even though we hate to admit it. But I'm just going to show you the numbers right now. Aubrey is obviously at 100%. You know that overall. Tucker is down at 17th in field goal efficiency rate with 86%. Now, if you look deeper, you will see that Justin Tucker has just attempted five 50-yard-plus field goals this season and has made one of them. So he's one for five in 50-plus yard attempts. And you know about Aubrey. He's made nine in nine attempts. The only kickers that have attempted more 50-yard-plus field goals this season, so more than Brandon Aubrey, are Brandon McManus with the Jaguars, Matt Gay with the Colts, Matt Prater with the Cardinals, and then even McPherson with the Bengals. None of them are at 100%. I think there are other guys that have attempted nine. Yeah, there, there's uh, two other guys that have attempted nine, just like Aubrey, over 50 yards. They're not perfect either. So Aubrey is really on just a whole other level. And if you look at touchback rate in kickoff duty, no one like him. Brandon Aubrey is number one in the NFL, excluding somebody that has two attempts, which we're not going to count for obvious reasons. So Aubrey... Is going to be the first-team All-Pro kicker. Should be the first-team All-Pro kicker. Gets the Pro Bowl not All of the, you know, praise, he deserves it 100%. I think, I strongly think if the NFL consider him a rookie, because from what we've seen, he's not considered a rookie, uh, having played in the USFL, uh, he could have some sort of, like, argument to be... Not rookie of the year in the NFL honors system because they do offense and they do defense. But I just would imagine that, hey, Brandon Aubrey could be in for those awards that are global, you know, for rookie of the year. That's how insane his season has been so far. Uh, let's not jinx it for the postseason, though. Let's not go ahead and do that. Anyways, before we get out of here, ladies and gentlemen, just a couple of injury updates. Jonathan Hankins, limited in practice and boy oh boy did it feel good to see him out there in the pictures and all of it and you look at him and that's Jonathan Hankins nose tackle you just gotta be excited about him coming back because he's been missed he's been missed uh people like to blame it all on the linebackers but his presence his presence on the defensive line is absolutely note notable and it looks like he should be ready to go for week 18 uh, an important part of it, Carl Davis, no longer eligible to be called up from the practice squad. 
So Dallas needs a nose tackle, and the fact that maybe they're not doing anything about it would suggest that Hankins is about to be back uh, for week 18. So you get Jonathan Hankins limited, and then you get several DNPs, some of them with veteran stuff or some of them with rest stuff, but Juan J. Thomas, Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Zach Martin, they all did not practice. Right, Martin and Tyron are rest days. Tyler with a foot injury, and then Juan J. Thomas dealing with a sickness, and then Hunter Lipke was a full participant. Uh, Hooker, Lawrence, and Lewis also didn't practice. Hooker is dealing with an ankle injury, and then you've got a uh, basically that's it. Uh, Rico Dowdle limited with an ankle injury, and it sure sounds like Rico Dowdle is ready to go. Because a certain somebody was placed on injured reserve, and that will end his season because that's Deuce Bond. And that will end his season unless he can come back for the Super Bowl and unless the Cowboys want him to be back for the Super Bowl. So I'm betting we don't see uh, Deuce Vaughn, right, until next season. Uh, but Deuce Vaughn was placed on injured reserve with an ankle injury. I'm not sure about that one. Uh, and Biliami Fehoko was activated off of injured reserve, which I'm not sure we're going to see unless somebody goes down injured because Dallas is already pretty loaded on the defensive line. And, you know, Biliami had was never looked at during the regular season. Uh, he was a healthy scratch all up to the point where he was placed on injured reserve. So I'm not sure we're going to see him, but he's going to be on the roster and he could play. He could play for Dallas. If need be, they needed to activate him or they would have to place him on season-ending injured reserve. So that's probably the reasoning behind all that. Uh, what penetration is Bond rehabbing at? <laughs> this is toxic. We, we don't make fun of short people here. Uh, toxic. Especially because Deuce Vaughn is taller than me. So we cannot go ahead and do that. We, we, we just can't. It's wrong. Shouldn't do it. Shouldn't do it. Uh all right, ladies and gentlemen, that will be it from you tonight here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Tomorrow, we'll talk about C.D. Lamb. We'll talk about the Washington Commanders game. And we'll get ready. Get ready for this. For the final primetime show of the 2023 regular season. That's what we'll do tomorrow night. Then it will be just playoff football. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about the Commanders game, sure. But we're also going to talk playoffs? What are you talking about, playoffs? Hit the like button for me and have a fantastic Wednesday night. Appreciate you all. Bye-bye. He's taller than me.